If you were to summarize Canyon Hills in two words, our church in two words, it would be changed lives. Changed lives. That's what we're all about. And from the very beginning, when God began to speak to my heart about starting a new church in East Yorba Linda, he put on my heart that it was to be a church that was going to make more and better followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was our mission. That's always been our mission. That'll continue to be our mission, to make more and yet better followers of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about Canyon Hills, I'd like for you to say a couple of things. Canyon Hills is a family. We've always been a family. But also it's a place where lives are changed. And I'd like for you to just kind of share that, to know our mission, to make more and better followers of Jesus. That's our mission. But as we do that, we're a family. And lives are being changed as we meet together and serve God. So this church is not about money. Even though we all know it takes some, some money to help people make healthy changes and become better followers of Jesus. This church is not about buildings, even though we all know it takes some buildings for us to gather in and to help people make healthy changes to become better followers of Jesus. This church is about changing lives. And every week, it just blesses my heart. That's why I'm kind of moved this morning. Every week, it blesses my heart that through the ministries of this church, I get to see lives that are, that are being changed for the better. Changed for eternity, but also changed for better. And this church is about changing lives because God is in the business of changing lives. And nobody can change a life like Jesus. Amen? <laughs> nobody. No author. No singer. No theologian. Nobody can change a life deep down from the inside out like Jesus. Whether it's changing a prostitute like Mary Magdalene into a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Whether it's changing a demon-possessed man so greatly that he becomes a committed follower and he evangelizes the entire area of his city and country. Whether it is a persecutor of Christians like Saul who ends up becoming a humble church planter and writing most all of the New Testament. Nobody can change a life like Jesus. Everybody say nobody. <laughs> nobody. So this weekend we're starting a new series called Change. Is it really possible? Because our culture is telling us in, in all kinds of ways and places that nobody ever really changes. What you are is what you are. But the Bible tells us that is absolutely not true. In fact, that is a lie that Satan wants you to believe. That you cannot change. He wants you to believe that you cannot close the door on some habit or some long-term sin. He wants you to believe that you cannot walk into a better life. And so today, we're talking about the fact that no matter what you've been wrestling with, even as a Christian, no matter what you've been wrestling with, you don't have to stay the same. We're talking about on this series, no matter what has you flat on your back, you have to know that you don't have to stay the same. No matter what you feel has you pinned down to the mat and you just can't change. You've tried and you've tried and you've tried. You don't have to stay the same.
In this series, you're going to find out how God helps you change for the better. You're going to find out how to make the changes that you want to make. And you're going to find out how to make the changes that God wants you to make. And for many of you, I believe this is going to be literally a life-changing series. That you will make a change during this series and you will never walk backwards. You will never go back to that place where you are not walking in step with God. Today, the question I want to answer is this. When God wants you to make a change, what does he do? What does he do? First, write this down. To change you, God uses a crisis. He uses a crisis. Are some of you in a crisis today? I mean, right now, are you facing a crisis? If so, God will even use that crisis in your life to make the changes that you need to make. But the truth is this. Your biggest battle is not a physical battle. It's not a physical illness. Your biggest battle is not a financial battle. It's not a financial loss. Your biggest battle is not some relational battle, some conflict. Your biggest battle is not an occupational battle, a job loss and a job search. No, your biggest battle is with God. Your biggest crisis comes when you start to fight God Because you want to keep going your way instead of going his way. And in Genesis 32, there's this really vivid example of a person who fought with God. In Genesis 32, there's this example, a story of uh, Jacob who wrestled and fought with God. And if you think that the WWF wrestlers are big and tough, can you imagine wrestling God? (laughs) Trying to wrestle God is a a no-win situation. You're not going to win. But a guy named Jacob took him on. He took God on. Look at this. The Bible says this, Genesis 32. Then Jacob was left all alone in the camp. Let's stop there for a minute. Here's Jacob. He was planning to go back and meet his brother Esau. That he had swindled out of his... his whole life's inheritance. And Jacob was scared to go meet his brother Esau. Hadn't seen him for years. So now Esau in the meantime had become strong. He had become a powerful man. Esau hears that Jacob is coming to meet him again. So he takes 400 men. And he goes out to meet Jacob. Jacob hears about this and he's scared. So Jacob sends gifts to his brother on ahead of him. Camels, donkeys, oxen, goats, sheep, saying, my Lord Esau, your servant Jacob. I mean, he's scared to death. He's going to get wiped out. He's sending these gifts to you. And so here Jacob does that. But then he thinks, I need to do even more. So then he sends his wife and children on ahead and his maidservants on ahead as a gift To his brother Esau. And so that leaves Jacob all alone in the camp. Scared. I mean, wasn't that a manly thing to do? Send your wife and kids ahead of you? (laughs) He's shaking in his boots. This is a man who's caused all kinds of problems for everybody else. But now he's shaking in his boots. He's alone and scared. And the Bible says, 
and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn. And when the man saw that he couldn't win the match, he struck Jacob's hip, knocked it out of joint at the socket. Now, some people debate over who Jacob was wrestling, but the Bible clearly tells us who it was. Take a look here in the book of Hosea. Before Jacob was born, he struggled with his brother. When he became a man, he even fought with God. It was God who Jacob wrestled. But not only God, Jacob fought everybody all of his life. He fought with his brother. That's what the scripture says. Even before he was born. Think about that. How'd that happen? Well, they were twins. They were in the womb together. So can you imagine a couple twin brothers in the womb kind of duking it out together? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us if they were duking it out, but the Bible does say when Esau was about to be born first, Jacob was holding onto his ankle saying, no, <laughs> me first. He was born fighting his brother and he continued to fight with his brothers and others to be first all through his life. But listen, Jacob's biggest battle was with God. Jacob fought against God. The question I want to begin with is this. What is your biggest battle right now? What's your biggest battle? Whatever it is, the question is this. Will you do what God says is the right thing to do in that area, in that issue, in that situation? Or will you trust God to handle your battle? Are you going to do what he says? Are you going to trust him to handle it? You see, the biggest battle is not your real problem. Your real problem is not being willing to obey God and trust God. And if you won't obey and trust God, your problem is just going to get bigger. It's just going to get badder. Is that a word? Bigger and badder? Oh, sounds good. It's going to get bigger and badder. The root of all your problems is your struggle against God and his will for your life. You want to be in control. I want to be in control. We want to call the shots. And then in the midst of that, suddenly the buzzer sounds and you're in a wrestling match with God. And what's the goal in wrestling? It's to pin the other guy to the mat. It's to knock him down. It's to keep him down until he cries out, Uncle, I give. You win. That's the goal. And some of you have been in a, a wrestling match with God most of your life. Over who's going to be number one. Over who's going to call the shots in your life. You've been wrestling against God. But when you're laid flat on your back. When all at once you're pinned to the mat. You finally decide to look up. And you begin to look up to God. Listen, I want you to, I want you to get this phrase deep in your heart. God loves you just the way that you are. But he loves you way too much to let you stay that way. God knows the changes that each one of us need to make in our heart and in our life. He knows us. And he's waiting on us to come to him and let him, mighty Savior, mighty God that he is, make a change in our lives. But we fight him and we fight him so he allows a crisis to come into your life because he wants to get you to look up. He lets a crisis come into your life because he wants to change you. Because he wants to make you better. Because he wants you to be all that he knows you can be. 
And so he allows a crisis to come. Because we rarely change until we feel the pain. We rarely change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. Amen? Isn't that our MO? (laughs) We wait till the pain gets too great or we're really feeling the heat. And then we get on our knees and we look up to God and we say, God, help me. You see, many of us know God's word. We come and we, we listen to it week after week and we know there's a, there's a change that we need to make to align our whole lives with God's word and, and God's will. We know that, but we still don't change. But it's when we feel the pain that we become open to change. When we feel the pain maybe of a loss of a relationship, the loss of a marriage, the loss of a child, loss of a job. It's when we feel the heat that we become open to change. So to change you, it's sometimes God uses a crisis to get your attention. Doesn't mean he caused the crisis, but he takes that crisis and he uses it to get us open to a change. And then he does this. To change you, God uses a commitment. A commitment. Now, I don't know if Jacob knew it was God he was wrestling or not. He did know it later. But somehow he figured out that the one that he was wrestling was more powerful than he was. And that person had the power to somehow bless his life. So Jacob wasn't going to stop the fight without getting some kind of a blessing from the one he was wrestling. And the Bible says this, Then the man said, Let me go, for it's dawn. Jacob, we've been wrestling all night. But Jacob panted. You ever watch a wrestling match? They only go for two minutes. But boy, those, they're going all out, you know. And so can you imagine? I love this. He panted. <laughs> he says, I, I, he had to catch his breath. I, 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 I won't let go <sighs> unless you bless me. Can you just hear him? These guys are hanging on to each other. I won't let you go unless you bless me. Now, Jacob, he didn't want to change. He had a pattern going on in his life. But it was apparent he wasn't going to win, so he said, at least bless me. And if I have to go through this major crisis, this this major fight to change, I want to know that you're going to bless me. If I face my issues, if I change, I want to know that you're going to bless me for it. I'll stop fighting against you, God, if I know that you're going to bless me. And so he said, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Now, because he's wrestling God, God could have pinned him to the mat and been done, right? Could have happened instantly. Could have happened. So why did God let the fight go on? Here's the truth. When God allows a crisis in your life, he doesn't always solve it immediately. He usually lets it go on for a while. But why does God do that? He wants to see if you really mean business. If you really do commit to make a change in your life. If you really want to get something out of this crisis, if you really do want to become a better follower, a better disciple of his, is it just a whim? Did you just hear a great song at church? Did you just hear a great word or message at church? Or is it a real desire? Do you really desire to walk out and be changed for the rest of your life? It's like this. A lot of people have said, Pastor, I need a financial miracle in my life. I'm seeking God for that. I'm so in debt. I just need a miracle. Sometimes I want to say to them, Did you get in debt supernaturally? 
No, you, you made foolish decisions. You spent more than you make, and you didn't save for crises. You didn't use your money wisely. So why should God bail you out? And if God just instantly bailed you out of your financial crisis, you just go overspend again. You develop no discipline, no new money habits, no wisdom, no perseverance. Now, God will help you get out of debt, but he's not going to do it instantly because you just go back to your same old ways. See, God wants you to become a better disciple. But lots of people miss God's best because they don't make a commitment to overcome their issue. They don't hang on to God. They give up too soon. They don't commit to becoming better. But if you really mean business and you really want to close the door on some of your old ways and old habits and, and old patterns that are sinful, you'll keep praying about them and fasting about them. And you'll keep seeking God and saying, God, I have wrestled against you on this issue for most of my life. But God, I am finally going to go your way because your way is best. Your way will make me better. So I'm not going to let go of you. I'm going to keep praying to you. I'm going to hang on to you until you bless me. I am committed to overcome this issue. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep hanging on until you help me and bless me. The Bible says this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Here it is. If we do not give up. And maybe you're in a crisis right now where you feel like giving up. And if you are, I want to say to you this morning, don't give up on it. Don't try to run from it. Stick with it. Commit to the crisis because out of the crisis, you can see God bless you. You know, most of the problems you and I have in our lives, the, the personal hang-ups we have, the ingrained patterns we have, the bad habits we have, are there because we've developed them over the years. Amen? <laughs> we've honed those babies over the years. And God will help you change, but he's not going to change everything at once. Like an onion, he's going to help you peel back a layer at a time, deal with an issue at a time. So don't give up. Make a commitment to hang on to God in your crisis until he blesses you with each issue, with each layer that needs to be changed. For years, you committed to wrestle against God to get your way, to do your thing that gave you pleasure. The question is, will you now commit to wrestle with God against your issue, to go his way and to get his blessing, to change you, God uses a crisis. It gets us to look up. And then he uses a commitment. Will you commit to change? Will you hang on to me? I'm able to help you change. I'm your mighty God. I'm your mighty Savior. But will you commit to hang on to me until I bless you? And then the third thing that he does is this. To change you, God uses a confession. You know, until, until we stop blaming others, until we... Admit, I am the problem. There will be no change. It's, it's, it's when we confess that we are the problem, that we need to change, that you'll get a breakthrough in your life. And things will begin to go better. The Bible says this. The man then asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And that's kind of a strange question as the wrestling. 
<laughs> Can you imagine? And why would God, in the form of a man, ask Jacob his name? He knew his name. Well, I think it's because Jacob needed to own up and confess who he really was. You see, in ancient cultures, you were given a name to match who you were. It was a label that represented your character. Your name had a a real meaning. Your name might be brave. Your name might be lazy. Anybody fit one of those? (laughs) Might be short. (laughs) But it was given to represent who you were. And the name Jacob meant deceiver, manipulator, liar, and a guy who would cheat you out of your last dollar. And Jacob, throughout his whole life, he lived up to his name. He lied to his dad who was going blind. He cheated his brother out of his his life's inheritance. He used his father-in-law. He used his wife and his children. Jacob was one big manipulator. So when Jacob replied to God, my name is Jacob, he was owning up to who he really was. It was an act of confession. I am a Jacob. I am God. Okay, I admit it, God. I am a manipulator. I am a liar. I am a deceiver. And he admitted it. So the question is, if you were named for your greatest character fault, what would your name be? Hi, my name's Greedy. (laughs) My name's Angry. Hi, my name's Lusty. Hi, my name's Yappy. <laughs> what, would, what would your name be? Here's the bottom line. You will never be able to change until you genuinely admit, confess your sin, your weakness, your fault, your character defect to yourself and to God. Okay, God, I admit it. This is who I really am. If you want to change, stop making excuses. Stop rationalizing and justifying. Stop blaming everybody else. Come clean about what you really are on the inside. When you say, God, I'm ready to own up to the weaknesses and the wrongs in my life, that puts you on a path toward change where you begin to open the door to a far new and better life and then you begin to close the door on your old ways and your old path and your old patterns. That's what this series is all about. God hopes with all of his heart that the crisis that maybe you're in, the crisis that has you down and pinned to the mat will cause you to turn to him and obey him and trust him to help you change. He hopes with all of his heart that you will hang on to him and trust him for a victory and the blessing to come. But write this down somewhere. His blessing comes only after you're confessing. His blessing comes after you're confessing. To change you, God uses a crisis, a commitment to really seek and hang on to him, a genuine Heart confession. God, this is who I am. And then last, to change you, God uses a conversion. You know, once you do what God wants to do in your life, once you really do want God to change you and you do confess the real truth about you to God, he does something very special. 
that only God can do. He converts you. He changes you. In fact, he converts you into something better. And the Bible teaches us that it's, it's like a new person, a new life. And I'm not only talking about when we're saved the first time from our sins, but even as a Christian, when you really admit about some issue in your life, he converts you then and he makes a, a newness come into your life then. Look at God's loving response to Jacob's confession when he confessed. The Bible says, in the man, God said, your name, the thing that defined your character, your name will no longer be Jacob. It won't be deceiver, manipulator, liar. No longer be Jacob, but Israel. And then God blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face. At this moment, God, in response to Jacob's confession, begins this amazing conversion, this amazing transformation. And I want to say to you this morning, the things that God did in Jacob's life, he'll also do in, in your life and my life. Three things that he did that he'll do for us. First of all, he changes your behavior. God said to Jacob, I'm changing your name, your brand, your label, your, that name that represented the old you, and I'm going to give you the name Israel, which means Prince of God. He's going from being a Jacob to the Prince of God because God is saying, yes, you've been a Jacob. You've been a manipulator, a deceiver, a liar all of your life, but now your name is Israel, and I see you as a Prince of God. God says, you've been a mess, but I see a prince in you. And I believe that God is saying to some of you this morning, beneath all of your hang-ups, I see a princess in you. I see a prince inside of you. I see potential in you. You can be great. You can be something great that I created you to be. And you know what? God not only has the power to change your name, but he has the power to change your behavior. And all of God's people said, amen. God has the power to change what you have never been able to change on your own power. God can change your name and he can change your behavior. But next, he changes also your circumstances. The Bible says this. Then the man of God said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. And then he blessed him there. Folks, when you stop wrestling against God, and instead you start walking with God, he blesses you. And his blessing makes all the difference in your life. He not only changes you, but he changes your circumstances. Sometimes all at once, I've seen, him do, I've seen him do that, but sometimes over time, he changes even your circumstance. But things begin to go better. God can change your behavior. He can change your circumstances and then write this down, but he can also change your future. He can change your whole future. And man, did he change the future of Jacob. God gave Jacob a limp a weakness to deal with the rest of his life. Well, that changed his future forever as far as walking, but far beyond the limp, and we're going to talk about that, that God gave him for the future, 
He blessed Jacob far beyond his imagination. He blessed him in every single way. But God left him with a limp. His future would be far better than his past, but his future included a reminder of his fight against God. The limp was a reminder of the night that he decided to close the door on his old ways and open the door to a new and better life with God. The Bible says this, the sun rose as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. In their wrestling match, God dislocated his hip. God gave him a weakness. For the rest of his life, Jacob walked with the limp. He never walked the same again because he'd had a face-to-face meeting with God. And I feel one of the things God wants me to say to you strongly this morning, once you really have a meeting with God, you will never walk the same again. Amen? Once you have met with God and talked with God and you've had God talk back with you, it is such a real moment to meet with your God. And to sense his love and compassion upon you. Once you've had a face-to-face meeting with God. You will never walk the same again. So listen close. If you say I'm a Christian. But your life has not changed. You're not really a Christian. You might do some Christian things. You might know some Christian things. But you've not yet really met God. Because you can't meet somebody as great and mighty and awesome as God. And not change your life. Amen. Your heart changes when you really meet God. Your desires change when you really meet God. Your wants in life really change when you really meet God. Your walk is never the same because you now walk for the almighty living God. And all of God's church said, what's the significance of that limp for Jacob? Two things. It stopped Jacob's pattern of running. He would create trouble, then he would run from it. And God said, I'm going to make you stay and deal with all the issues of life. You're never going to run again. (laughs) God made him face the issues of his life. He gave him a limp. Second, it was Jacob's daily reminder to depend on God, not his own strength. Your thigh muscle is the strongest muscle in your body. So God touched Jacob at the greatest point of his strength and created a weakness out of it. And so from that point on, Jacob would have to stand in God's power alone, not his own. And so Jacob left this wrestling match both stronger and weaker. He left with a stronger character, a stronger life and relationship with God. But he left with a weaker body physically to remind him of his daily need just to stand and walk with God. Folks, when you truly meet God, you are forever changed. You are converted into the person God created you to be. A genuine conversion and change takes place. And oftentimes, God gives you a reminder of that meeting that you will never forget. The Bible says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Listen, no matter what you struggle with, you don't have to stay the same. You can close the door on your old life 
by the power of Jesus. And you can open the door to a better life and a better relationship with Jesus. Some of you have already opened the door like this. And you have said, Jesus, I want to live with you. And so I'm going to walk into a new and a better life with you. And many of you have also then said, and I'm closing the door on my old ways. And there's been some who've gone back out and said, but there's some ways. I know they don't please God, but there's some ways that give me pleasure. And I want to participate in those ways. I've given my life to God, but you you didn't really close the door on the past and the old ways. So let me close with four questions. Are you wrestling with God today? You know what's right. So why do you keep going back and doing what's wrong? Are you about to run away from something? You know what's right, so why not commit to stay and overcome and enjoy God's blessing? What should you confess about you? What are you going to confess about you? Are you going to say to God, I'm a... Like Jacob, I'm a deceiver. Are you going to get honest with God? What do you want God to change? Your God sees your potential. God, right here this morning, he's looking at your heart and he sees a princess in you women. He sees a prince in you men. But so much of the time, we spend our whole lives fighting against God. Instead of lining up with God and saying, God, let's fight together against this issue. Let's overcome it. And that's when the blessing of God comes. Amen. Folks, you don't have to stay the same. And that's what this series is going to be all about. God can help us make the changes that brings his blessing. His blessing. Let's pray. This morning, some of you might have to honestly say, I've not yet met God. And if that's true, would you just pray this prayer? I call it a salvation prayer. Maybe it's the first time you've ever done this. Would you just invite Jesus to come into your life and forgive your sins? Repeat this prayer in your heart after me. I admit that I need a Savior. I believe in my heart that you, Jesus, died on a cross to pay for my sins. Forgive me for all my sins. I confess that you are now my Savior and my Lord. Help me to confess and overcome my old ways. And then this morning, some of you have been Christians for a long time, but there's a change that you need to make. You you already know what it is. But you pray this prayer in your heart and say, Lord, I confess that I need to make this change. I confess my issue. And just fill in the blank. Just name it to God. 
This morning, God, I'm ready to obey you. I'm ready to trust you. To change me and my life. And I commit this morning to hang on to you. To overcome my issue. Until you set me free and bless me. I put my faith in you and your power to change me. This morning, if you prayed that first prayer to ask Christ to come into your heart, would you just say, Pastor, I want to acknowledge that and confess that before God. Just just lift your hand. I prayed that first prayer. Okay. Great. Now, would you lift your second hand if you said, God, I need you to change me. Okay, awesome. Okay, let's be honest. He's here. Wonderful. Wonderful. Father, we thank you that you have spoken to our hearts and our lives this morning. Lord, there's no place we can go. There's nothing we can do to hide from you. So, Lord, we're just getting honest before you this morning and saying, God, there's some things we need to change. We want to become better disciples, better followers. We want to love you back for all the love and grace and forgiveness you've given to us. So, Lord, we leave this place in the name of Jesus and his power to hang on to you and overcome every issue. We know the moment we step out of this place, the tempter will tempt. The Lord Jesus will just hang on to you and in the name of Jesus overcome. It's in your name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. Amen.